Hello, lovely single mums, and thank you for joining this podcast where we'll be talking about the ins, outs, and shake it all abouts of mediation with Relationships Australia. My name is Lucy Good, and I'm the founder of Beanstalk Single Mums. We're an online space dedicated to supporting and inspiring single mums from all walks of life. We offer a blog that covers everything for your single mother journey. We've got a single mum only anonymous forum ebooks and e-courses as well as exclusive single mum discounts and giveaways and it can all be found on our website beanstalkmums.com.au but right now in today's podcast i have the pleasure of chatting to tara houseman from relationships australia in new south wales now we're in extremely good hands today as tara has worked in the family mediation sector for over 15 years and is a tra- is, she's a trained lawyer and a family mediator. In her role at Relationships Australia New South Wales, uh, Tara is the Family Law Services Practice Specialist and she has clinical oversight of the Relationships Australia New South Wales Family Mediation Services. Um, Relationships Australia, if you didn't know, is a non-profit organisation providing a wide of range a wide range of programs and services for individuals and families, including counselling, mediation, group work, children's services, as well as casework. Many of Relationship Australia's clients have experienced a relationship separation and they're looking for support and advice to help them on that journey. Uh, So alongside what sounds like a full-on but rewarding job, Tara loves going to the beach, doing jigsaw puzzles, probably to keep her stress levels down and watching sport (laughs) with with her family. But today she's kindly taking the time to chat to me. Welcome to the Beanstalk podcast, Tara. Thanks, Lucy. It's really really great to have you. Yeah, I'm I'm loving having you on and I have to tell you that I am beside myself with excitement for having the opportunity to chat to someone from Relationships Australia because it's a name that comes up all the time on my single mother platforms and especially to chat to someone like yourself who's got so much experience in the area uh, that we're going to be discussing which is mediation Um, but like all great things it's not as straightforward as it seems and this is because Relationships Australia is nationwide however it operates slightly differently in each state (laughs) so Tara you're in New South Wales our listeners are from throughout the country. Can you just tell us what they need to be aware of as we provide support for them today? Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, the great thing about Relationships Australia is a lot of what we do, especially in the family mediation space, is quite consistent across the, the country. So a lot of what I'm going to say today um, is very applicable no matter which uh, centre or state you might go into. Uh, The differences might be some of the languages around, um, I might call it family mediation, someone else might call it family dispute resolution practice. Um, That doesn't mean that they're different, they're just, we sometimes call things slightly different. And some of our initial processes are also a little different as well in mediation. Um, I'll talk a bit about that uh, later on today, about what happens in New South Wales. And I might just alert, um, alert you to when that could sound or look a little different if you went to Queensland or, or Northern Territory, for example. 
Yes, that's perfect. Thank you for explaining that. So when you're listening, if you're not in New South Wales, just be aware that the information might not be 100% spot on and you need to check with the Relationships Australia in your state. And actually, you just brought up a, um, an important point, Tara, that I wanted to check with you. So um, family dispute resolution is exactly the same as family mediation. Is that right? But just different. A long time ago, yeah, a long time ago, we used to call it family law mediation or family mediation, and they were family mediators. And um, and I think what happened is legislation came in and decided to call it something a little different. And we started being labelled as family dispute resolution practitioners, and we became accredited through the Attorney General's Department. So that is in part of legislation, that that is how we're referred to. And it's about the work that's done under the Family Law Act, as opposed to other forms of mediation, like workplace mediation or neighbourhood mediation or other types of dispute resolution. So we call it family dispute resolution. If I'm going to be uh, correct and proper, I would, I would say that that's what we would, I, I should be using, but it's a lot simpler today for me to use the word mediation. Yes, okay. And, and what I am. <laughs> okay. So that's a, just going to shorten our podcast a lot by calling it mediation rather than family dispute resolution. So... That's Perfect. Helpful. Thank you for clearing that up right at the beginning for us. So let's get into the questions that I've got for you and provide as much information as we can for our listeners. Um, so can you start by explaining how Relationships Australia can help separating couples and who is eligible to use your services? So Relationships Australia has a wide range of programs and you mentioned that in the intro, Lucy, um, and we don't only work with separated couples. So I'm gonna focus only on that part of our work. So there's lots of other programs that individuals, whether they're separated or not, might be interested in. I'm certainly gonna direct you to our, our RA uh, website that has a lot of programs and options and, and resources that will also help people understand um, the criteria that they might need to meet in order to access different programs, but it's very open to a lot of people. Um, we, we really do try and find a way, particularly in the separation space, to uh, be as accessible uh, to as many people who need our services as possible. So I don't want to try and be too selective about the criteria if I can today, because um, in most cases, we'll be able to find an option to meet people where they're at, uh, even if it's not um, perhaps the option they called us about to start with. So some of those things, as we talked about, is, is family dispute resolution or mediation. Um, and, and people who have separated um, would be the, the main criteria that they would need to be able to say that's happened for them to come to that program. Uh, other forms of mediation uh, are elsewhere, but RA focuses particularly on the separation space. Uh, we have family counselling services that are actually for families wherever they're at, whether they're intact, whether they're having trouble with their adolescent or their teenager, um, or it could be for individuals, but we also have that post-separation family counselling service as well, uh, where people are struggling to perhaps communicate with each other or to separate well, um, or they're trying to make decisions about how they might separate and when they tell the kids. And, and so family counselling can have a broad range of reasons for people who, who might want to access that service. Um, we've got lots of parenting seminars and one in particular I'm going to talk about today, which is our Kids in Focus seminar. That's very much a part of um, RA's family mediation process that we ask parents to come to a, a seminar, which is specifically around how post-separation parents, which is 
a lovely term for saying people who have separated, um, have focus on their, con well, basically focusing on what's happening in their conflict, how they can focus on their kids' needs before they get into the mediation room, uh, and also gives them a space to reflect on some of their own behaviours or reactions that they could try um, to do things differently if, if possible. Um, and the other groups that you mentioned earlier, some of them are really are specifically around separation. One's called Parenting After Separation. Uh, I think it's a six week course, so I have to check that, but it's really for people with ha which have a really enduring or long-term parental conflict and they can't seem to get out of that cycle. Um, there's another group around managing separation, that's the, the name of the group, and that's for people who have actually only recently separated and they're looking for ways to move forward in a positive way. And then we have our probably more heavy duty um, you know, groups, which is our parenting orders program. And that's often families who are court ordered or they've been through court and they're really struggling to, to meet, the need, they're, they're meet the needs of their kids, but also struggling to comply with the court orders and to learn how to self-manage outside of the courtroom. So uh, there's a whole broad range of ways that we work with separating families. Yeah, and I, I'm, for me personally, I'm amazed by that because when I think of relationships in Australia, I always think of mediation. But you do so much more and we often have lots of questions come up around the things that you've been talking about. Problems with children after separation, problems with communication after separation, problems with getting the ex to follow the parenting orders and how to go about that. Never once would I have thought to refer them over to you guys because I wasn't quite aware that you did so much. So already um, from this chat, it's great to get that information out there. And I know I can be directing a lot more people your way to use those fabulous services. But I suppose as well, we have got women who are listening in from all over the country. So if you want to find out, I guess, Tara, what exactly what you can get in your state, the way to go would be head to the Relationships Australia website for that state and um, have a look at those, those brilliant services. That's right. And look, we have one number for the whole of Relationships Australia, which is, oh, I can give you now and I'll give it to you again yes, later. That's the one three, it's the one three hundred three six four two seven seven. So that's the number that anyone can call for Relationships Australia. And then from there, um, you can work out where to go next. And they can certainly answer a lot of questions about the programs and options that might be available for you. Brilliant. That's great. Thank you. Now, can you just run us through uh, what I'm going to call the family dispute resolution stroke mediation process? <laughs> I, <Sure. laughs> what can we expect to happen and when? Um, so it's a really, that's a short question, a really long answer potentially. <laughs> I know, uh, I, so and I obviously don't, don't expect you to, um, to go into all details, but just a rough idea of what happens. Sure. Um, I think the, the main thing to say is that there is a process that I can describe today, but it's never one size fits all. Every family comes through. And I think one thing that will come from this discussion is really um, perhaps people looking at uh, what does this mean for me? Does that sound like a good fit? And, and I really hope from, from this podcast that people can actually um, just look at their situation and say, actually, that does sound like a good option for us, or that sounds like something I might need to get some advice about. And, and hopefully this will be really helpful. I guess for me, the first step in any process about uh, mediation or Relationships Australia is making a decision um, around, do you actually want to give mediation a go? Does it sound like the right thing? And I suppose the, 
one thing that some people might be able to do is make that decision together. Yes, we're struggling. Yes, we need to help, have some help or assistance here. Let's call this organisation together or, you know, separately, but both of us let them know we want to do it. And other times it's a little bit different. It could be that you're on your own and you're struggling to, to get things sorted with your ex and so you want to start a process or your lawyer perhaps has said you need to go and start a process like mediation. Um, so we hear from clients who say, I don't know what the other person is going to say. So um, we, we have a process to engage them. And so there's a person at RA New South Wales, we call that person a family advisor, and they meet with uh, by phone with the first person who calls us and we do a brief triage. Um, what is it that's happening for them? What do they need mediation for? Does the other person know that they want to do mediation or will the, the invitation to come to mediation be a surprise or perhaps uh, a welcome one or perhaps something that we need to be a bit strategic around? Um, so that for me is around the first step is contacting our service, having a chat with one of our family advisors, working out is this the right place for you? Is this the right process? Is there any reason also why mediation may not be suitable right from the beginning? And there can be families who have um, court orders or apprehended violence orders that might indicate to us that we may not be able to go any further. But for most cases, we would then send an invitation out to the other person. Uh, they would then respond to that invitation and say, yes, I'm interested and have a very similar triage process with the family advisor. Or they might say to us, no, I'm not interested. And, and I'll talk a little bit later about what happens then. Let's assume that they both are interested and happy to proceed. They would then have a, that family advisor meeting. They would then go to that parent seminar, Kids in Focus. Um, and once they've completed the parent seminar, which can be done um, in a face-to-face -face group, and we have some online options for parents who might find that a little bit difficult to get in for a face-to-face -face seminar, um, they would then be put on a wait list uh, to be picked up by a family dispute resolution practitioner, or let's call them a mediator. <laughs> so <laughs> that's really for us is, is making sure that we don't get people into the mediation wait list, um, but when perhaps they're not in the right place or that they might need some other services first. So some people let us know they'd like to get some counselling first or they'd like to get some support for their kids or they'd like to, um, or, you know, wait till they get home from holiday before we invite the other person. So. So that's really for us is just making sure the timing of when the process starts is right. Um, and then we also um, make sure that there's no urgency or safety reasons for, for a process to not start at that point and perhaps not waste people's time or perhaps put them at further risk if, if that's part of their family situation. So let's say we're in the wait list. Um, depending on which centre they're at, that wait list uh, might be a, a week or two, it might be a little bit longer. Um, so it's worth asking the family advisor um, what that wait list might look like when they go into that and give them some expectations around how long they might be waiting. But mediator will then, when they've got um, ready to pick up a new case, they'll contact both clients and organise an appointment, which we call in New South Wales a pre-FDR appointment. And that can be called a whole range of different things like a um, family dispute resolution assessment appointment or a pre mediation appointment. Either way, it's it's really a one, one and a half hour meeting where you meet with the mediator one-on-one -on -one in a confidential setting and talk about a whole range of things that's happening for the family. Um, the mediator will also use that time to actually uh, share some information that we're legally required to share with clients, including uh, confirmation about our role, that we're not there to provide legal advice or, or we're not judges and we can't make decisions for parents. 
um, and also to make sure clients understand that if they get to the end of mediation that the agreements they reach uh, aren't legally binding their good faith agreements and and some resources are, are provided to give clients lots of information about the family dispute resolution process at that point um, the purpose of this meeting as well as engaging with each other and getting to know the mediator and getting to know the client and giving lots of information and answering a series of questions is really around checking safety checking whether this is a suitable process um, the family law act uh, gives us a set of criteria that we have to consider uh, so families have got a history of um, violence or where there's been a misuse of drug or alcohol uh, perhaps where the conflict has been enduring and is is significant there's a range of criteria that we need to look at and say in this family would mediation be um, the best fit is this the right place for them to be and if we do decide that it is we might decide with the client and we work together with the clients around would that session be in the same room would that session be better if it was in separate rooms where the parties didn't have to meet um, would that session be by phone or perhaps using video conferencing so there's a whole range of options that mediation might have from one case to the next that will look a little different and that will be to reflect what that family situation is like so we never want to assume that everyone will be comfortable sitting around the table together or we never want to assume that that's the safest or best way to go and we also want to make sure that if there's other people that need to be involved like uh, family lawyers or support people uh, that people can ask questions about you know you know can my mum come along or can my friend or my counsellor come along and give me support because i'll be uh, that will help them to make some good decisions and to be in the right frame of mind so that's the stage before the actual mediation starts yeah. uh, once once the mediator has said yep this looks good we're all everyone's on board we're, we have we're ready to go there'll be some there might be some homework or some uh, some preparations that clients might need to do and, and I, I think you, you, we're going to talk a little bit about some of those steps that people can take to be as prepared as possible. Uh, they'll then book in a, a session and for us that's uh, usually a three hour first session and people come to that session and, and we begin what I guess everyone thinks of as the mediation process. Um, and so uh, there's a few things that will happen no matter where you do mediation. There's some sort of common things that will happen for everyone. Yep. So the mediator will, will introduce whoever's there. They'll probably um, be with a, another mediator. So we call that co-mediation. So you might meet with one mediator, but they might say, look, I've got a co-mediator who's going to come along. Um, our philosophy around that is that two heads are usually better than one. And, uh, and it can be really helpful to have two people helping to facilitate the conversation. Um, the mediator will remind the parties about things that they have to know legally um, to remind them that this is a confidential discussion and also to remind them that where there's disclosures around safety that we take that seriously and may need to make some reports. So it's just things that people have to be kind of reminded at different points along the process in case uh, any of those things crop up along the way. Um, we have a document that we ask people to sign called an agreement to participate and you'll find that most mediation services will have something along those lines uh, that ask parties to really write, you know, write their name against that saying they'll agree to participate um, and to, uh, you know, follow those principles and behave in a particular way and be child focused and uh, and for us that's just a really important sort of um, piece of paper, or some, you know, symbolic piece of paper that says to them um, we're in this for the right reasons and we and we agree to participate in those in this particular way. So the mediator will then um, sort of really 
frame up the, the process. That's their job. They're there to facilitate, to guide the process, to keep parties um, focused on the right things, which is uh, what's going on for their kids, what their kids need. Um, they'll help the parties create what we think of as an agenda or a list of topics. Uh, it could be anything from how we communicate to how often we see the kids, what do we do at changeover, when do we go on holidays, what do we let each other know about school reports. So an agenda can be as broad or as simple as the parties want, want to have. And it could be that they're here for a particular reason, they want to decide where do the kids go to high school, or it could be because they're just separated and it's all very much up in the air and they're like, we don't know how to do this. So the mediator will work out how complicated or simple the, the agenda might look. And, and then we essentially move through a process of going through every one of those items and saying, what's happening with this item uh, or this issue or this decision? Uh, what are the options to resolve it? What solutions can you generate? What can we suggest in terms of ways that people have sorted these things out? And then the parties make the decision. And that's the pivotal part of mediation is that parents are the ones making the decisions for their kids, trying to find a common ground that they can both accept, that they can live with and that meets the needs of their kids. And mediators are there to record that and to help them when things get a little escalated, when they get a bit frustrated or angry or perhaps are, are tired and we're there to make sure that we stay in a good place to be making you know good healthy informed decisions about about kids in particular but also perhaps about finances or property if people have to work out what they want to do with their ongoing uh, financial situations as well it's it's a really long process isn't it in terms of just getting everybody on the same page to get them into the room for mediation and just doing those safety checks as well. I don't think people are aware of what goes on before the actual mediation process can take place. And sometimes even just getting the two parties together um, is probably quite a challenge because a lot of people don't really understand what mediation is. And if their ex-partner tries to book it, they might not want to come along because they feel they're going to be on the back foot. They don't understand that it's a, a really uh, mutual process where they're just getting to talk things out. So there's some education involved, I'm sure, in getting those people into the room together to get them talking. <laughs> and, Absolutely. Um, I, I, think <laughs> I can't it, imagine I think how hard be. your job is. <laughs> no, no, but I think it can be a real worry for some parents when they've been invited to come to mediation. Yes, that's think. what is I that, mean. Is it, is this going to be their mediation or is this yes. going to be our mediation? And I really want to stress that we, once the door is opened and the invitation is accepted, we move into a process that's incredibly mutual. Um, it's very much about, even if one, you know, we obviously you can understand, Lucy, we might hear two people come in for those individual sessions and their stories don't sound the same. Uh, they sound like very different stories about what's happened in the separation or what their worries might be or what their kids' needs might be. Um, the mediator is not there to um, to do any telling or to do any kind of, you know, creating a common truth about what might have happened in the past. What we're there to do is say, yes, there's some different ways that people have experienced their separation or each other or their kids. They need to still make decisions. So kids will need their parents to step in. And sometimes they make a decision about let's pick them up at five o'clock on a Friday from the school, whatever it might be. And that doesn't need them to agree on how they got to that decision, but to, to agree that that is actually an arrangement they can both work with. It works for the kids, it works for them, um, and their needs are getting met, even if they can never resolve 
perhaps some of the history and the stuff that's happened in the past. And, and mediation is very much about focusing on the future if we can, focusing on how do we how do we let the separation happen and move more and more into the distance and become hopefully less emotional about some of the things that can't be changed and more and more about what do we want for ourselves and our kids? How do we want to make sure that when our kids are, you know, five, 10, 15, and they move into adulthood, how do we want to make sure our relationship with our kids is as good as it can be and that our separation hasn't, um, hasn't negatively impacted them, which, which can happen if parents never really can, are able to get past that parental conflict. Mm. Um, so we work very hard, very hard with parents, but we also recognise safety has to be first and foremost, safety of them and safety of their kids. Yeah. And sometimes mediation isn't going to be able to show, it isn't able to say that this is the best place because we can't ensure safety um, in some circumstances. But in many cases, it, uh, mediation can be um, a fantastic solution um, and it can really help a couple to move forward on their own, as it were, rather than having to move on to scary things like the family court. There are a lot of benefits to mediation. Can you just talk us through what they are? Well, I mean, for me, the, the main benefit, and I've always really worked very hard to, to maintain that in my practice, is that people are there to make their own decisions. Uh, parents are there to say, this is what we decide together. Um, it's not about having a judge tell them, this is what you're going to do. You couldn't work it out. So the judge steps in and says, you're doing this. And, and I think judges do a great job in, in families where, uh, where they really can't work it out. The conflict is too high or perhaps safety is too, too significant. And, it's, you know, some of the most complex cases need to go to court to, to have uh, resolutions. But I think in the mediation space is families who are not always communicating well with each other, but actually are really trying to make sure their kids get what they need and, uh, and maintaining a relationship as, as best as possible with both of them. So for me, that's the, a really important part of mediation is that nobody can take away from the parents the right for them to decide. Um, they have to work that out together and they have to have a decision they both agree on, but, but it is still there, the power still sort of stays with them in that way around how to make decisions. Um, I also think another benefit is that mediation is confidential. Uh, it's a, a place for people to go where they can uh, discuss their issues, they can talk to each other and, and not have to worry about things like evidence or things being admitted into evidence because someone said this or someone said that. And, and I think that is uh, very much about how, um, you know, how an adversarial process works. Um, it's also a way to have someone there to, to guide them, you know, if, if people are struggling to, um, you know, work these out things out for themselves, and they always sort of seem to find themselves escalating and, and getting into old arguments or falling into some bad habits around um, working out decisions for themselves, or it's all happening in front of their kids. Um, you know, mediation is a way to get away from those distractions, away from kids, and really have someone there who's continually trying to facilitate that and and make sure they don't get into a place where they feel unsafe or unheard or uh, feel like they're not achieving or accomplishing uh, what they'd set out to try and achieve, which um, which is, I think, is a benefit having an impartial sort of person in there, not necessarily refereeing, but, but certainly there to sort of stop things from going too far or saying, let's just put that to the side and come back to that. And, and having someone there to, to sort of keep them on track is really, um, it's really just, it's just, that's why it works. 
um, what other things? I think it's, I mean, I think a lot of people talk about mediation being uh, time effective. Uh, and when you compare how long it takes to move from the beginning, even with all those steps I outlined before, mm. uh, you move through that process reasonably quickly. It does feel at times that it might be a couple of weeks between um, one appointment and the next because you're waiting for an available appointment. But for the most part, that actually is a, a, a very time effective process. Uh, court can potentially take months and months and even in some cases we hear from families that have been caught for 18 months to two years waiting for a decision uh, so a lot of your life gets put on hold uh, when you're when you're in a, a longer process that's uh, that's that's out of your hands whereas mediation we, we work things out you know when the next appointment might be um, is very much about what's happening for the clients and we've had clients who come to us or families that come to us and they say look i don't know if that's going to work tara um, I, you know, I think if I, we, we did that, or that pickup drop-off, or we did that arrangement for a period of time, I'd know. So we often say to clients, let's test that out. Why don't you go away for two months, test that agreement out, don't sign anything, don't commit to it in terms of an enforceable order, but come back in two months and say, yes, that worked, yes, that didn't work. So, so for some of those families, they might be in mediation for four to six months, for example, but that hasn't mean that they're you know, they're working every week, you know, they're doing something every week. It could be that there's pieces of time where they've been able to trial an arrangement and, and figure out what are, the, what are the parts of the arrangement that actually don't work in, the, you know, in practice, even if they, it looks like a really great arrangement on paper. So I think that's a really important thing that mediation can wrap around families and can be flexible in that way if that's what both parents want to try and do. Yeah, yeah for sure. I think the last bit, but I mean, can't ignore the fact that mediation, particularly at funded services like RA, are incredibly cost effective. Um, you know, it is something that people can afford. Uh, the fees that we have to, um, you know, we ask people to pay are based on a certain amount of it that's funded and free for the first three hours. Um, but also after that period of time, it's usually very much within their income and what they can afford to pay. Um, and I think that's that means that even clients who come to us and say this didn't work out but they can't sort of look at it as they they will have achieved something and they also will be able to say it wasn't an enormous in, amount of money as well and i think that is what makes it really accessible for most families yeah definitely and and when we talk about that time and and cost element so different to the family court such a great incentive to work out your differences in mediation to avoid going to a court where somebody else makes that decision for you, um, not, not to even mention the, the money spent and the, and the time it takes. As you say, it takes away part of your life um, sometimes if it can go on for months. So yeah, they're, they're really important points. And now look, I, I've got a couple more questions for you, but I'm only gonna ask one because we're nearly out of time. And this is probably the most important one maybe of the podcast because it's asked so often amongst single mums and that's, how can we best prepare ourselves for mediation to make sure that we actually get the very most from the process? Yes, um, it's a great question because I think uh, it's something that we would probably say to clients in the pre, we don't have enough time to talk about every way that they could to take advantage because there's so much to talk about in that, um, that individual appointment. Uh, so I think having thought about this question a little over the last week, I think what can be really important is people do a bit of research about mediation, find out really if this is the right process, come on to the RA New South Wales website or any of the RA websites, to be honest, 
Um, there's lots of information and there's a few videos on our site which actually give people a heads up on what's going to happen and, and who's going to be there. And I think knowing that information can make people feel more uh, prepared and, and therefore less anxious. Um, get some reliable advice would be one of um, my little hints. It's great to hear what happens for other people in mediation. Some friends and families might tell you what did or didn't work, but actually sitting down and investing in some independent legal advice from someone who understands the family law system uh, and you know can really be a helpful investment, even if you don't take it any further than that. Knowing what the legal outcomes might be, knowing what the court might say in your situation will really help you to define what you can live with, what your proposals might be, and where perhaps your, your ideas for resolution might feel um, actually are completely different to what the, a, a court might actually do. And that can be really information, uh, that can be information that just is, helps to reset um, your parameters before you come into a process and perhaps feel like you, you weren't as informed as you'd like to be. Ask lots of questions. Don't feel worried about asking questions. There really is no dumb questions in mediation. Your, your pre-FDR assessment appointment with the mediator is just you and them. So that's the perfect opportunity to ask questions about who's going to be at the mediation, what your role will be, what homework you can do in your case, uh, what's going to happen if the other person doesn't agree or if you can't work things out. Asking questions about what's going to happen in your situation is, is going to help you to figure out what kinds of decisions uh, can be made in mediation and, and how to prepare really well. Um, a lot of parties want to come to mediation and just see what happens. And I really encourage them to think about being as actively involved as they can be. Sitting back and turning up and seeing what the other person has to say isn't really going to achieve as much as you would like to achieve for mediation. So. Um, getting into the mindset of saying, I want to be an active participant, I'm, I'm here to make decisions um, and, and, you know, and not let, leaving it to the other person or the mediator to kind of fix things, be a big part of that solution and generating options. And that kind of leads to my next sort of hint, which is keep an open mind. Um, I think some of the ideas that parents come to us to resolve the issues are a really great starting point. Um, what we do as mediators is we look at all the angles and, and look at all the options that perhaps some ways that parents haven't thought about before. So what might be the best solution might not actually be what you walk into mediation thinking that you want. It might be something quite different. So being open to a whole heap of new ideas um, is actually going to create more solutions for you. Um, and, and, and I think that's, that's just something that we really encourage people to come in with, with a really open mind to different ways that things could resolve. Um, I think I've talked about a few times focusing on the kids, focusing on the future, rather than focusing on the past relationship or the things, the reasons why things didn't work out the way that people wanted them to work out. Um, some of the grief and loss that it comes from a separation. We need to kind of manage that as well as we can and, and start focusing on what we want to achieve and what we want um, to feel in, in the future. Um, and, and that can also, those sort of past focuses can, can mean that people try and, or they want to get into debates or arguments about stuff, um, about small things. Like, so when people look at big picture, what do we want to try and achieve? What is the, the main arrangements we want? The small things start to fall into place, a bit like a jigsaw puzzle. Um, you, put the, you put the borders around it, you start to put big, the big parts and all the little, little bits that come from that, like the exact timings of things or when things will happen or how, how they'll do it in particular situations. 
But when parties come in focused on trying to resolve the specifics first without the big picture understood, they can get themselves feeling like we didn't achieve very much because they get caught up in those, um, those sort of um, circles or loops um, without thinking, let's just get the framework on the house first and then put on the details. Um, as, as always, we have some guidelines that we ask people when they come to mediation to try and uh, sort of follow or comply with. Um, one of them is being respectful all the way through, respectful to themselves, to each other, to the mediators. And that can be about how we talk about each other, about the language, the, uh, the, the way we choose to put something on the table. We can make a conscious choice to be respectful. And I think people often say, well, I can't do anything. I'm not being treated with respect by the other person. We really remind people in mediation, think about, you can't control what the other person does or says, but you can walk out of a process knowing that you made the choice about how you behave and about the ways that you tackled a situation. And we find that when respect is given, it becomes reciprocated over time, even in some really difficult situations. Um, and try not to assume things. There's another one of my guidelines. I like to say to people, we don't like people assuming stuff about ourselves. We don't like people to tell us what we think or what we feel. So try not to assume what the other person might be thinking or feeling because, you know, their journey as, as a separated parent is happening away from you. We don't always know what's changed in their lives. So we need to ask lots of questions and make sure that we're not misunderstanding or perhaps making an assumption about what's happening for, for both parties or for the kids until we sort of really ask questions and, and listen to the answers that we give them. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things, isn't there? I almost feel there's like there's so an opportunity for a whole new podcast just talking about how to prepare for mediation or certainly a blog post because it is so important to get it right. It's this wonderful opportunity to go in. Certainly, I think at the beginning when you get the free period and, and sort everything out, the more prepared you are, the more you're going to get out of it. So there's so many things to think about when it comes to, to getting prepared and, um, and not to waste that opportunity and to get that resolution that you need. But so thank you for sharing all of that with us. And um, we, we've got so much more to say really, haven't we, Tara? We, we just can't fit it all in. Um, it's just been packed full of information, but we, we have run to the end of our, our time limit. So what I'm gonna ask you to do is just to remind the listeners where they can go to get more information. If they've listened to this and thought, yep, this might be the way forward for me and my ex, where can they go to find, find out more about Relationships Australia? Well, I think the website is probably the first step I'd ask them to do. If I had more time, there's so much content that actually um, I could really just be repeating exactly what's already on our website. There's a couple of documents or a couple of resources from the website which are RA broad. Um, it's not just specific to New South Wales. And one of them in particular is called a, a resource called Share the Care. And it's a, it's a booklet. Um, it is a document we give to all our mediation clients, but if you get a chance to read it before you even start a process, you've really got a leg up on, on what we need to tell you. Um, and it goes through a whole range of things about the different types of topics that you might really want to consider, as well as suggestions about to resolve that. Um, that resource in and of itself could be helpful to people who perhaps aren't quite sure they need to do mediation and want to try and work it out for themselves. And reading that kind of booklet and a few other ones that are up on our website might actually get them across the line without needing to come to a service like RA. But it also can help with clients coming in saying, I'm not sure how to propose, well, how do we communicate with each other or what our living arrangements or a decision making might look like. Um, there's lots of great suggestions in that booklet to help parties work out what do we want to have in our parenting arrangements. 
Um, and the other one, of course, is our 1300 number. So that's 1300 364 277. Um, and you can call, you don't need to start a process. You can call and talk to the family advisor about mediation and together work out when is a good time for you to start the process. Um, they'll also have a whole wealth of other resources in your local network uh, and your local community that you might want to access um, alongside mediation or before um, you decide to, to, to invite the other person. Okay, that's great. Thank you for letting us know that, as I always say, information is power. So if you're struggling, get onto the website, have a look, get the information, and that should give you an idea of where to go from there. But look, what can I say? It's been information-packed chat. Very, very information-packed chat. <laughs> um, I, could, I could go on. Um, um, it's going to answer questions for so many single mums who are starting out on the separation journey and my hope is that we've provided information that will encourage mediation and ultimately resolution without the need for family court. So thank you Tara for sharing your time, your knowledge um, and your experience with us today. You're very welcome, it's been great. Thank you. And to all the single mums listening, how lucky are we to live in Australia and have access to this brilliant service um, that you might not have known about or you certainly didn't know how much they did. So if you're struggling to reach an agreement with your ex, reach out to Relationships Australia, even just have a look at the website for a starting point and get the support you need to find middle ground and a path forward for you, for your ex and of course for your kids. Um, and remember, if you've not visited my website, beinstalkmums.com.au, make sure you do. Not only will you find more podcasts like this, but there's heaps of other wonderful resources for your single mother journey. And you can chat to me anytime on our anonymous single mum forum or on the single mum vine Facebook group, which are also reached through the website. And one final point before we leave you. If this podcast has helped you, please take just 30 seconds to rate and review it. The more reviews we can get, the easier these podcasts are to find by other single mums who need support, guidance and companionship on their single mother journeys. Until next time, ladies, goodbye.